the Full Rigor of Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Curtis. I've lived in Palm Beach County on and off since 1988. Yes. So when I fly into PBIA, I feel like I'm home. When I'm coming from anywhere in the country or the world, this is my home. So, you know, I grew up in Michigan, and then I went to college on a full scholarship to run track and cross country in Honolulu, Hawaii, at the University of Hawaii. And then I flew to Sarasota, lived there a little while, got my first job in Gainesville in television as the weekend anchor at WCJB. And then I became the main anchor at WPBF in Palm Beach County, uh, 1989. So I lived here for many years, and I've kind of lived in Broward and Miami, but I've ended up back here in Palm Beach County. And I did dally, dilly dally in the Palm Beach world. It's a different life. It's a different animal over there on Palm Beach. I'm middle class. My dad worked for GM, you know, in Detroit, and I grew up kind of naive about things. And I really did not feel like I was part of the Palm Beach crowd. And on this episode, I'm going to tell you about Roxanne Pulitzer, who also felt the same way when she started dating a member of the Pulitzer family. Now, the Pulitzers were awarded recently, so I thought it would be a great time to tell you all about the Pulitzer family. There's always a South Florida connection. And by the way, congratulations to the Miami Herald for winning the Pulitzer Prize for breaking news reporting on the Surfside Tower collapse. The Miami Herald won the prize for their urgent and sweeping coverage of the Champlain Tower's South Condominium collapse in June 2021. Their coverage of the tragedy where 98 people died was considered, quote, clear, compassionate and comprehensive and this coming june it's one year anniversary it's can't believe a year's already passed but anyway back to the pulitzers one of them by the way roxanne pulitzer wrote the book the prize pulitzer which by the way failed to win a pulitzer and it was about the scandal that rocked palm beach in 1987 so that was right when i got here so this this whole story really kind of rang true to me well, not, no, not even <laughs> close by comparison in some ways, but in others, yes. But um, Roxanne Pulitzer wrote this book, The Prize Pulitzer, I believe it was a bestseller. And then she also adorned the cover of Playboy in June of 1985 with a trumpet. And I'll explain that later. But now she's like 71. She's in her early 70s. And this episode of Full Rigor is kind of like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard abuse trial without the violence and, of course, the poo. And on my side of the bed was human fecal matter. It was so outside. It was so bizarre and so grotesque that I could only laugh. This portion of the abuse trial spawned some catchy phrases such as Amber Turd and the Me Poo movement. I can't. Anyway, in the case of Roxanne Pulitzer, there may not have been any poo or human fecal matter, but there was a trumpet. Roxanne was embroiled in all kinds of sordid tales, sexual behavior, drug and alcohol abuse. I mean, it littered the headlines around the world. When it was over, Roxanne ended up losing custody of her twin sons and was exiled from the world of wealth and privilege that drips from the upturned snooty noses of those living on Palm Beach. It's difficult to fit in.
Beep, beep. Now let's back up the truck a little bit and talk about the Pulitzer family. Joseph Pulitzer was the Gilded Age newspaper baron. He successfully laundered the questionable reputation of his tabloids by endowing a prestigious prize still given today annually by Columbia University, the Pulitzer Prize. But his grandson, Herbert Peter Pulitzer Jr., didn't want anything to do with his media legacy, and even though he was the heir, he was handsome, ambitious, and a bit of a wild card. Peter wanted to make his own name and fortune, and he succeeded with the fortune part. His name, however, is going to be tied to one of the most salacious divorces in Palm Beach history. So Pulitzer, Peter Pulitzer, was born in 1930, raised in luxury with the silver spoon, blessed with great looks. He had an adventurous streak. He'd like to jump into his plane and fly off. He didn't like normal social crap. He defied the expectations of his rank. He dropped out of college and used the half million dollars of his family's money to fund early businesses, which included a bowling alley and a liquor store. (laughs) And by the time he met Lillian Lee, Lily McKim, who would become his first wife, yes, Lily Pulitzer, the one with all those bright and bold patterned dresses. He also owned citrus groves in central Florida. So in, in many ways, Lily was the perfect match. She was a young woman of equal social stature. She also had a charmed life. They were like peas and carrots, you know, like Forrest Gump. From that day on, we was always together. Jenny and me was like peas and carrots. Jaday. And so they eloped soon after meeting in 1952. And they became the toast of Palm Beach. Don't you know, Peter and Lily Pulitzer. The couple preferred casual house parties over grand galas. And I know... When I was the main anchor at Channel 25, the ABC affiliate here in Palm Beach County, I attended all the balls. The Red Cross Ball. The Eyeball. Yes. <laughs> it was the retina ball called the Eyeball. I kid you not. And at one point, yes, you could see me there. I went to so many balls during the gala season, I literally became a ballaholic. <laughs> I was dating a man whose mother was married to Dean Witter. So enough said, right? Cortland Bromwell Alt. And the chandelier that was hanging in their dining room uh, in the house on Palm Beach was from the movie Gone with the Wind, literally. The Palm Beach lifestyle is an acquired taste, I must say. And I never really was able to swallow it because I'm middle class. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Detroit. I'm, you know, I'm. I just can't live like that. I mean, it's nice and beautiful, and I like to drive along Palm Beach and look at the ocean, but it's, it's, it, there's a lot of pressure. So back to Peter and Lily. Peter flew a plane, and Lily had a pet monkey. <laughs> See what I mean? I mean, I just I don't want to do either. And they weren't just attractive. They were interesting. And after having three children, it all became too much for Miss Lily. So she loved her kids, and she lost interest in Peter. And she needed something to do on her own. So she and her friend, Laura Robbins, set up a juice stand inside one of Peter Pulitzer's orange groves. And so she needed some clothing that would hide stains from the juice. And she asked a seamstress to make simple dresses out of brightly patterned fabric. Voila! Lily Pulitzer is born. The clothing became a huge hit. I mean, it's... You can't miss it. You you know when it's a lily dress. You know it because you can tell by the, the graphic design, the color, and the fabric. Leveraging her family name, she established the fashion brand Lily Pulitzer. She became president. Peter stepped in as vice president, and an empire was born. 
So meanwhile, Peter was also co-founding in an international hotel group. With their bustling careers, things seemed to be going smoothly for the Pulitzers. But then in 1969, they divorced to the shock of friends and family. We thought everything was going so well. You've got your dresses and he's got his hotel and his orange groves. Well, Peter was ever the ladies' man and he soon found love again. Like Lily, his next wife, Roxanne, was also a free spirit. She was a lot younger than he and she was young and fun and flirtatious and had a lot of energy. Unlike Lily, Roxanne came from a humble background. Originally, she was from upstate New York. She attended college in Florida. After her first divorce, selling insurance to make ends meet, she met Pulitzer at a party thrown by her boss. At the time, Roxanne talked about money being power and control. I mean, money is all wrapped up with power and control. And at the time she met Peter Pulitzer, she was living in a trailer park, in a trailer court. And she had just graduated from Palm Beach Junior College. She met Pulitzer when she was 23. He was 21 years her senior. His friends thought she was a gold digger. But far more despicable was that she was an outsider. I guess deplorable is a better word. She was a former cheerleader from a small town in upstate New York, and she still said things like, for sure. <laughs> totally. She says, you're younger, and you're a little bit better looking, and you don't go to boarding schools. You're just shunned. Yep, that's true. Invitations would come to the house for Peter Pulitzer, and the PS would say, please come alone. And she's living there with him at the time. Here she is in an interview in the 1990s. The name, uh, the money behind it, um, Palm Beach being very close-knit. I wasn't from Palm Beach. I really felt the power more than I did anything else. But then, of course, behind power is money. So the testimony of sex, drugs, and the occult was heard at their 1982 divorce trial in Palm Beach County. It ended with the judge giving custody of their twin boys to the father. They had two sons, Mac and Zach Pulitzer. They were born in 1978, and in 1982, Herbert Peter Pulitzer sued Roxanne for divorce. Both claimed that the other had sexual encounters with the wife of James Kimberly, Jacqueline Kimberly. That's the heir to the Kleenex fortune, the Kimberly Clark fortune. Well, it was his, his uh, fantasy. Uh, at the time, it sounded a little strange to me, but since then, I've, I've, I haven't not run into one man that has not had that fantasy one time in his life. It is said that most men have I that fantasy. I think it is. And uh, so it took a little while. For, it took a year of him talking me to me about that, for me to do that, simply because I was very unfamiliar with it, and um, I'd never done it, and I was a little shy of it. And by the way, the Kimberly Clark House, the Kimberly House, is at the end of Ocean Boulevard as you're heading north from Worth Avenue and from Mar-a-Lago. The house is right at the end of the road, and they make a left, and then there is Bethesda-by-the-Sea, this huge church gothic church where donald trump married melania and then a little further down that road is the breakers hotel so roxanne pulitzer had had an encounter with jacqueline kimberly because her husband wanted to have a menage a trois and she's like if i don't do this with him he's going to find somebody out on the street actually was given an ultimatum that if i did not do this he was going to bring in two strangers and i just really didn't want a stranger in my marriage i did not want a stranger fulfilling one of his fantasies for him 
And I thought, oh my God, he's going to be meeting a girl on Friday afternoons, you know, and I will not be a part of that. And up until that point, there was never adultery in our marriage. I mean, he wasn't having affairs. I wasn't. We had a very happy sexual life. And um, I just thought that the road for me to choose with that ultimatum would be to participate and be there rather than let him go the other way. And I'm still happy I did that. I do not regret that. So I read her book, The Prize Pulitzer, and she talks about how her husband wanted her to do the menage a trois and that there was a trumpet in the closet and the divorce became a media sensation. Hunter S. Thompson reported on it in Rolling Stone and the New York Post ran the headline, I Slept with a Trumpet, purportedly quoting Roxanne. Here she is in that interview in the 1990s explaining she never slept with a trumpet. Not enough time in the day for me to have done all those things, but the trumpet obviously is the, the most sensational. And that came about because uh, they were trying to say that my religious beliefs were not of the norm, and so therefore I was unfit to raise my children. Um, my ex-husband being Episcopalian and mine going more towards spiritualist uh, views. And so they subpoenaed all my metaphysical literature, um, my Edgar Casey books, The Road Less Traveled. I mean everything was there in the courtroom and they also had proof that I had gone to psychics and mediums in my life and of course the trumpet was brought in because my ex-husband and I had gone to a trumpet seance and uh, all what, what is that okay well I had never been to one myself either at that time and um, he was really became fascinated with my religious beliefs uh, as he was turning 50 I think suddenly he my belief, of course, is reincarnation karma were going on, and uh, he all of a sudden got a little bit afraid of that, is it going to be all over, and, you know, am I going to be in the ground type thing, and that's it. And so he started reading some of my books, and he wanted to go to some psychics, which I set him up with um, some, some of them that I had gone to, and he wanted to go to a trumpet seance, which is where you go, and uh, there's a medium there, and he gives you individual messages. There was about ten people, I think. And in the center of the room sits this trumpet, which is just symbolism. It does not move. And uh, it is symbolic of Michael the Archangel summoning the angels, actually. And uh, so at the end of this uh, trumpet seance, which I had arranged, we flew to New York. The man was so excited to have had Peter Pulitzer there that he presented him with this trumpet. So we took the trumpet home with us on the plane to Palm Beach. And it ended up in my walk-in closet, which is uh, was the larger of the two. And... Um, so it was sitting there the entire afternoon that I was testifying on this, you know, looking very odd, but it sat there and everybody was getting their laughs, of course. And then, uh, lo and behold, the next morning, of course, the New York Press ran this headline of myself, the trumpet, and it says, I slept with a trumpet, in quotes. Now, you can search 20,000 pages of transcripts. You will never find that quote. But the New York Post doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I became known as this girl who did something with this trumpet. I mean, sexually. I have been asked that question. But anyway, I called the reporter. I said, just tell me, how did you ever come to this conclusion? Tell me about it. And he said, well, Roxanne, he said, listen, he says, the trumpet's in the walk-in closet. The walk-in closet's in the bedroom. The bed is in the bedroom. You sleep with the trumpet. Uh-huh. I'm sleeping with a lot of things. That- I can totally relate with Roxanne Pulitzer in the way she said, I can't believe how slimy print journalism is. I've had multiple encounters with the shiny sheet and with the Palm Beach Post here, as I call it, the Palm Beach Bugle. And this was in the 90s. After I left television news, there was a particularly yellow piece of journalism that was run about me leaving television here in Palm Beach County and being too old at the age of 33 to ever come back to television, you know, Christine Kraft type thing. And I told him, I said, do not run this story because it's not true. And then I ended up working for NBC6 in Miami. So there. 
the marriage went smoothly for a while, but just like Lily before her, Roxanne became restless. After their twins were born, she wanted to party more, and Pulitzer didn't. He's older. Well, this time, it wasn't the announcement of a divorce that shocked the people of Palm Beach. It was the trial, and it was messy. A battle royale. Peter and his second wife, Roxanne, faced off. Things quickly and publicly became acrimonious. I mean, it's worse than Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And the couple accused each other of sordid affairs. He claimed she significantly reduced his fortune through frivolous spending, had extramarital relationships with both men and women, and introduced him to cocaine, which she basically says is all a lie. Uh, we all do drugs because we want to do drugs. I was 28. I'd never tried it. We were there. He'd never tried it. We tried it. There is absolutely no excuse I can give you. Roxanne played it just as rough. She accused Pulitzer of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter from his first marriage, which both parties denied. And when his daughter took the stand, she claimed that, in fact, it had been Roxanne who propositioned her. Still, Roxanne suffered the brunt of the negativity as the Palm Beach set stayed firmly in Pulitzer's corner. Things only got worse for her reputation as the story gained national attention. And guess what? There was no prenup. No and she never thought in her wildest dreams that there would ever be a fight for custody for her twins. He hadn't wanted to have the children, and I wouldn't marry him unless he let me have one. And I listened real well, of course, and had two. And uh, then there was that conflict within the family structure, which was very difficult because he wanted me to travel and leave the children, and I didn't want to. And that was actually where, when it started. But the postmarital, which was brought in, I think, in either December of 1980 or January of 1981 was when it really started to fall apart. He knew he was losing control, and I hadn't signed a premarital. And uh, the postmarital, frankly, uh, which was very ignorant of me. I never realized the children were an issue because he never wanted them and he never made a, a verbal anything to, to say he was going to go after the children. I mean, it just never entered my mind. And in this postmarital agreement, the last paragraph, which petrified me, was the fact that if I signed that, for instance, that day, the next day he could have divorced me. That would have been it final. And I said, I don't think we should sign something when your veins are pulsing and you know you're so angry I said let's get marital counseling let's not I was very afraid he was going to do this within the next few days and I says no I'm not going to sign that and that's when he said well with my power my money my name then I'm going to destroy you well I should have listened I guess but of course two weeks later he sued me for child custody so I became unfit somewhere there in the two-week period and of course in the Florida courts you're not allowed to bring in the postmarital agreement all I wanted to show by bringing that in was he had given me total custody here Two weeks ahead of time, well, judge didn't want it. So the divorce ended with Roxanne being painted a trashy social climbing party girl, and Peter was granted custody of their two children. The judge, is, it's an interesting case because he was a criminal judge for 20 years. He came to civil division only for one year. That was to, to try our case. And um, he was my ex-husband's age, a man's man as he saw himself, uh, fisherman, a hunter, this or that, but uh, didn't have any children. I think it's uh, it, it's very interesting how one can try a child custody case. For, I don't think judges should be allowed to try them unless they have children of their own because you, you cannot possibly walk in a parent's shoes. You do not know the emotional bond that exists between a father and a child and a mother and a child. And uh, it's interesting also, he, he was worships his father, he was raised by his father. His real mother deserted him when he was three or four. She hates her. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at all these things, you don't know if you're paying for the emotional gremlins of, you know, who knows. Roxanne walked away with her Porsche, $60,000 worth of jewelry, and 2000 a month for two years. But no children, which is difficult for any mother. And as most couples who were close and had a, a rough breakup do, they 
got together briefly. There was a reignited feeling for each other. They dated for another year before finally breaking up for good. Decades later, she got the last laugh, though, in 2011, Forbes reported that an orchard that Pulitzer owned with his sons was on the brink of bankruptcy and foreclosure after citrus canker wiped out 88,000 grapefruit trees. They were bailed out by Roxanne's fifth husband, Tim Boberg. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. By the way, Pulitzer, who was, you know, obviously in his 90s, died in 2018, a peaceful end that surprised many who knew him because his daughter, in fact, the one I believe that Roxanne was accusing him of having the relationship with was quoted in the Palm Beach Daily News. They call it the shiny sheet. It's because the ink is printed on special paper so you don't get ink on your fingers when you're eating your poached egg in the morning on Palm Beach. In the obituary saying, quote, we always thought he would be eaten by a shark or killed by a bear in the woods or fall out of a seaplane. <laughs> no, no regrets. I do it all. Hmm. And to this day, Roxanne Pulitzer has no regrets marrying Peter Pulitzer. I have two beautiful human beings came from that marriage. That marriage was meant to be. I had many more good times than bad. I had five and a half good years, one and a half bad years. I refuse to give the power to the negative here. And with that, we come to the conclusion of another riveting Full Rigor podcast. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to check me out on my Instagram page, Full Rigor Podcast, you can see some photos of Miss Roxanne Pulitzer with her trumpet. Also, if you would, give me five stars. If you enjoyed the episode, follow and subscribe. That wraps up this episode of Folk. Thanks for joining me. Until next time.